1: news podcast I'm Bennett Conlon joined by Jack Fitzpatrick who is on spring break so Jack how's it going
0: um it's going well I'll be back at JMU in just two short days kind of a short spring break but getting into it with uh what am I doing women's basketball Thursday and then the baseball high point series all through the weekend so that'll be a fun one getting your work in very exciting oh yeah I need to get those hours I need to get a nice little paycheck uh as the real world creeps closer and closer, and I see apartment prices, uh, I need money.
1: Yes, that's, that's always a good thing to have. <laughs> All right, uh, so we're doing mostly CA men's basketball tournament preview stuff tonight, but I figure we can hit a couple quick highlights. Jamie I, Bas- I guess. jeez. <laughs> JMU baseball—they beat George Mason to, George Mason today, ten to seven. Not great pitching for really either team, but um, pretty good hitting on both ends. We also have a Jamie Baseball contributor that oh. we have added. Yes, Nick Stevens. We're adding him. He had a, like a Diamond Dukes, I think it was called, a blog about Jamie yep. Baseball, and he's going to be contributing for us in the future. So be
0: on the lookout for that. Yeah, we're we're coming at you hot uh, with. The, uh, I can't think of an off the top baseball pun but we're coming at you hot with the baseball. We're, so, like, huh? we're like a
1: fastball coming at you.
0: Yeah. That <laughs> we'll we'll workshop this. <laughs> we'll put that on the drawing board. We'll come back to it next podcast when yes. one of our scheduled ones, not one of these pop-up exactly. ones. But And then we'll come with the good, the good baseball puns about bringing on a fantastic contributor. Yeah, really excited about that.
1: Uh, women's basketball. You mentioned you're working that Thursday game. They played Drexel and then Delaware. On they beat Saturday. Towson. They did.
0: They I did. was expecting them to drop it, and they won a hard-fought game. Yeah, that was a big win for them. So they have the
1: share of the CA regular season title. If they win one of the last two, they will be outright regular season champs. So it's been a really good season.
0: Yeah, I can season. say the least.
1: Definitely softball seven and four. They dropped two over the weekend. They went two and two. They beat sort of the easier mid-majors on the schedule and the Wildcat Invitational, I think it was. And then they lost to Minnesota and Arizona, who are both ranked. So there's really no shame there, but they did miss a couple of chances to...
0: Two. Yeah, literally pick a couple. Uh, literally the, a those, couple. I was following that along, and I was like, oh, they're going to win this. And then you tweeted ah. from the sports news account of just the tough loss it was, the two opportunities to finish it. but
1: Yeah, that was a weird one. So they... They were down 4 nothing, and then they came back, and I started watching once they came back. I put on like the video or whatever, the live stream that Arizona had, which basically only showed the infield, so if anything was hit to the outfield, you kind of <laughs> had to guess, but still better than nothing. And um, yeah, they got it. I think they were up 5-4, to four, something like that, in like, the bottom of the seventh inning with two outs, and there was a runner on second base, and somebody blasted a uh, ground ball to second base, and, and JMU, if they field that and throw it to first, game's over, they win was hit really hard, got under the glove of the second baseman, and then the run came around to score. So then it went to extra innings. Jamie scored one run in the top of the eighth. They have. I don't know if you know the softball extra inning rules. I didn't realize this. They're very strange. Okay, what are they? You start with – so, like, let's say Megan Good was going to lead off the inning. Whoever was batting ahead of her in the lineup would start the innings at the top of the eighth on second base with no outs. What? insane so that's like
0: starting on the two yard line in right, right it was ridiculous all right good luck try to get it in
1: so jamie up, wins it it was unreal jamie <laughs> ends up scoring one run because like of course because somebody you starts better if yeah you, you don't just, you just, i think they just bunted right away too so you got a person on third with one out so it's like of course you're gonna score so anyway, they get... And then
0: you trust the arm whatever. Okay. It's just
1: insane. <laughs> they get I don't know. I started watching and I was like, this is complete nonsense. Because softball is so high paced that like you don't really need that to like speed it up. But anyway, they do that. JMU gets one. Arizona looks like they're not going to get any because Megan Good in the circle doing really well. They end up getting like a two out double to tie it, and then the next batter hits a walk off home run. So it was it was a really tough loss because they played pretty well. Dang. But, yeah, I was just confused for most of the end of the game on the rule. I was like, I don't remember this at all.
0: So weird. Well, I guess we've never really seen an extra innings JMU softball game. Normally That's they ended can... with the mercy rule.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I've actually ever covered them in extras, so I guess that that makes sense. But, yeah, it was it was very strange. I put that both the golf teams played on the outline, and I forgot to check how the golf teams did, so I'll pull
0: that They out. played today. They played today. They did. I don't think either of them won. They were both a little bit too far back. I know tennis is... Men's tennis played today if the tweets oh, were did. coming in chronological order. and That's the worst function of Twitter. <laughs> Side note. Twitter just needs to be all chronological. I don't care. Like, you missed. No, 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 no. There's um, like a, w- a way
1: to do it now, but it's like still always gets effed up for me. I don't know what happens. They did win.
0: Yes. So that was chronologically right.
1: Lit. Yes. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Thank you. Twitter. Yeah, but I think that was pretty much the main things. I know lacrosse. We said they were going to kill Kenny's. Yeah, we got that, and they did have nailed that take. That was the first take. I think that's our best take yet.
0: All the so far in what six months of doing this, that's by far (laughs) our best take.
1: Yeah, kind of a, kind of an easy one, but we nailed it. We saw that they were getting blown out, and we saw that
0: Jamie wasn't bad at lacrosse. Like, <laughs> Wait a second. I'm piece it together. One plus one equals two. I can do that, man.
1: We really nailed it. Huh. All right, so we've got lots of men's basketball talk. I'm sure we're going to have lots of takes. I'm sure most of them will end up being wrong, but we're going to go for them anyway. This is very exciting. They start the tournament on Saturday playing Towson. The big news today that sort of came out is that Darius Banks is likely, he's a long shot, I think was Rose quote, likely to miss like the entire uh, conference tournament, which could just be one game, <laughs> given sort of JMU's <laughs> recent play. But yeah, what do you think that, big big. that what are you <laughs> does? What do you think? Sorry to interrupt. The team's chances. <laughs> No, go.
0: It's That's just huge. I mean, Darius Banks, mm-hmm. um, James Ferris just put out a tweet thread mm-hmm. about how efficient Darius Banks has been shooting the basketball I mean he's having uh one of the best shooting performances from three in the history of JMU men's basketball which fun fact getting buried in the fact that there aren't a good program that but he is having one of the best three-point shooting performances by an individual in the history of the program he's a fantastic shooter shooting over 45 percent from the floor let me find the exact number. Almost 50%. He's shooting 49 from the floor, and then 48%, 49%, excuse me, from three, 78 from the free throw line. But he's, he's an efficient scorer, and he's, he's a difference maker when he's on the court, specifically when he scores double digits. But dang, that is a big blow. I mean, now the offense, who do they have? Stucky and Matt, which are both great players, but you can shut them down.
1: Right, yeah, it seemed like banks was sort of the X factor all season long, and now it just seems like mentally too that would be such a big blow because like they already kind of understand that winning four games in four days is very very difficult. Never, happened. especially the way it's, <clears throat> especially the way it's set up time wise. Which maybe I'm being annoying here, but it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Like JMU plays at four o'clock, and Towson they play Towson at four o'clock on Saturday, and the winner plays Hofstra at noon on Sunday, which seems. I mean, I guess you got to get four games in, so you have to start one at noon. But it's it's weird to me that you would. Why aren't they starting the Saturday games early? That's right. Yeah. Why don't you question. start that
0: game at like two, and then the next one at what four thirty?
1: Right. Yeah. Because I mean, the winner or whatever is not. going Or have
0: the northeastern game tip off at noon. And the I mean, yeah, let's let's, let's right. break this down. This is where Jamie. This is this is why Jamie loses the conference right here. It's because they tip off at noon.
1: Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, like, that's
0: the only reason. There's okay. nothing else. That's going to be the quote right. to lead into this podcast. JMU is going to lose in the conference championship because of early tip-off. <laughs> it's <laughs> so confusing, though, because William and Mary
1: in Delaware and then College of Charleston and, and Drexel, both of those games are already set. So it's like, I don't understand why those wouldn't be there. I don't know. It just seems like a huge, like, even if, you know, regardless of whether Jamie or Towson wins, whatever team it is, is already at a disadvantage playing the number one seed. And then you're giving them less than, you know, 24 hours to recover. And by the time, the game will probably end at about six or so. And then you've got to get back to your hotel and rest or however that goes. You're probably back at the arena, you know, well before noon warming up and getting ready for the game. It's, I mean, you really have probably like, what, 15 hours or something? I mean, it's kind of terrible.
0: (laughs) I, I, maybe... You know what they should do? Have the number one seed pick the time slot they want to tip off. <laughs> yeah. So let's get it really into it. But also, it's kind of a disadvantage for Hofstra. I mean, no team plays Definitely. a noon. I mean, you may play one noon game in a season. It's early. You don't play noon games. And that's a that's a different look. I mean, look at JMU women's basketball when they tip off at noon or before. They're a different team. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can see that a
1: lot when you look at – College sports and even pro sports sometimes when they have like a weird noon start and both teams like their body clocks aren't really right
0: because I know what I'm so, doing the night before I don't, <laughs> I don't think I'm ready at
1: noon so <laughs> exactly so it'll be interesting um, to see how that goes I don't really think it's the biggest deal in the world because JMU and Towson are you know the worst teams in Hofstra so it's not like they're getting robbed it's, or something but when you lose most of your games I guess you you deserve a disadvantage to to some extent but I mean I yeah guess. I guess we'll kind of we'll kind of go game by game which is i guess a little bit of a ridiculous thing just because there's a chance they they lose the first game so a lot of this is going to be like a weird pipe dream for fans listening but we'll do our best so jmu towson is a game that is definitely going to happen we know that at least they split their regular season meetings darius banks is pretty good in both what do you think are the keys to this game? You know,
0: if you asked me this, what, 12 hours ago, I would have said key to the game is get Darius Banks rolling <laughs> and have him just kind of take over the game. Because in the first game, 22 points, 11 rebounds, a nice double-double, and they yeah. win the game. Second game, nice 11 points, five boards, pretty solid. Um, they do lose that one. But I'd say it's Darius Banks, get him going. But now it's 12 hours later. It is now 8, 18 p.m. on a Tuesday night. And my key to the game is get Dwight Wilson the ball. Just keep throwing him the ball down low in the post. Let him just bully his way around and just have him drop the 20 points. I think JMU has a very strong chance of winning. I'd put it at a 60-40 chance of them winning this game just because of just the the solid second-half play they had against Towson. Um, I think if they can come out with that on a neutral court, I think they can down Towson. But I think it's going to be key working from the inside out rather than the outside in, like they normally do and get ball movement. That's all.
1: Definitely. I mean, that was perfect. I think that, that you're right. The ball movement is big, just not being stagnant on offense. And I would agree Towson's not like a particularly good team. And they don't shoot their the ball. Not, well.
0: they, I mean, they're that second game they played. Like I, I chalked mm-hmm. that up to a home court advantage type of thing. Like, I think if that's played on a neutral court, that second game, I think JMU can win it. And I think they won the first game because it's on a home court. But I think in just purely looking at position by position, JMU's better in every every position. And I think because then it's on a neutral court where they both had to travel roughly the same amount to get there, I mean, Towson, what, an extra hour and a half over JMU? Yeah. I think essentially this is all equal for both teams. And because of that, jamie you can win this but i wouldn't be surprised if they dropped it at the same time let's be real
1: right exactly no game is a, a surefire win but i do agree that i think jamie like the roster is significantly better and you, you mentioned that second meeting jamie didn't really play all that well only lost by seven in a game they still could have won yeah uh, the first game they were down like 10 at halftime ended up winning by like 19 they killed them in the second half so yeah. i mean if they play well even without banks i still think they're A better team but Towson's strategy isn't really a strategy from what I've seen in the few years I've watched the program it's more just like we're gonna throw up a lot of bricks because we can't shoot and then we're gonna get a lot of offensive rebounds and hope we make some we're gonna like play a lot of defense and foul people so I mean it's not that hard to beat them but it's also going to be like a probably a disgusting display of basketball
0: it's not gonna be great it's gonna be sort of a lot of missed shots a lot of Dwight Wilson and you just sort of hope you get out of there alive and as much as I was on the DeVell Phillips hype train to start this season, I've kind of tapered off, but if
1: yeah,
0: I, he's not a key to the game, but he's an X factor to the game. If he can get a solid five to six points, manage his turnovers and fouls, I think that might be the difference in this game.
1: He'd be huge. And I think the same goes for, for um, Greg Jones, and Oh Bach yeah. and, Zach, and Jacobs. Zach Jacobs sort of filling in for banks a little bit Erbach's obviously a lot smaller, but, if Jones and Jacobs can sort of help Phillips in those backup roles, getting rebounds and eating up fouls, that sort of thing, I do think they can win this game without Banks. And, and I think that would give them at least a, a quick boost of confidence going into the, the next game against Hofstra. And
0: here's a nice little segue into that second game. Where they'll miss Banks the most is in that game against Hofstra, without a doubt.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it would be so hard to go out with, without one of your best players against, you know, one of the best mid-majors sort of across the country or at least one of the the unheralded mid-majors. Maybe it's a low mid-major. I wouldn't really compare them to like a Gonzaga or anything crazy like Gonzaga's, that.
0: But... Gonzaga shouldn't be in the mid-major conversation when it comes to college basketball. They're just so good They're every basically just year. a power team. They're, I mean, yeah, they, it's like a... they don't recruit mid-major talent. They recruit power five talent for bad back- Sorry. That's completely off No, no, topic. you're right. You're right. <laughs> They're
1: like in a mid-major conference, yeah. but their team's not, yeah. in, not even close to really being a mid-major, but... Yeah, I guess that's what I was going at. Is it sort of of those like unranked mid majors? Yeah. Hofstra's a pretty good They're one, very just because of like Justin Wright, Foreman, and all that stuff. So I think there's still a minor chance, just if you can get sort of Lewis and Mosley on fire, or if Banks, they had said it was a long shot, but who knows? Maybe he's able to go
0: out and things give things some
1: some minutes. But I would expect it their run to end there. I don't know about you. Oh,
0: honestly, I. Per- I don't know how to word this. I expect their run to end in that first opening round against Towson just because I watched how they played against Elon, William & Mary. But, yeah, they win that game. Definitely stopping here. Even if Stuckey or Matt or both catch fire, I think Hofstra just has too much firepower that you can't keep them all down. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it'll be really
1: tough, but – all right. We'll keep doing our hypothetical. Okay, so, hypothetical. <laughs> hypothetically, without <laughs> Darius Banks, they beat Hofstra on a neutral floor. <laughs> and bear with us, folks. They'll then play the winner of William & Mary in Delaware, which is then a much more winnable game. So if they do somehow get by that, Hofstra, then they do that's a, true. a winnable game. I think they could beat both of those teams, too. I, I do also. They're, I think they're like one and three against them. Yeah, this they year are. Because William & Mary uh-huh. beat them twice. But all the games were decided by single digits.
0: So, I, I, who, do you th- it's who do you think wins out of that William Mary-Delaware matchup, though?
1: I like the way William & Mary's playing, so I'll say they'll do it. And I actually think William and & Mary and Hofstra would be a, a really fun game to watch. Yeah, I think William & Mary gets out of that. Delaware doesn't have much going for him. No, but I mean, that's that's interesting, too, because Jamie was kind of closer to being – they had a chance going in the last couple of games to be that a 5 or a 6 seed, which would have been so much more helpful. If they
0: were the 5 seed and they are matching up with, with – uh, well, – then again, they would have beaten William and Mary in that last game. Things would have right, changed. So maybe, so, it, yeah. so maybe they would have been the five, and who knows? Drexel. I think if they were in that five or six spot, they could make a run to a run. They could get to the semifinals. So that's one win. What a game, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, in the way the graphics laid out, it looks like a run. I was pointing, I was looking at the championship, and I was like, they could make a run. And then I looked up that it was the championship game, and I was like, maybe not there. <laughs> yeah. But they could get to the semifinals. If they made a run ah, – never mind. I don't know what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, no, but I mean I could – yeah, if they were in that six or five or six spot, I do think they could win a game and get in the semis then who knows. But I think for them, just a step at least for the way they're playing right now is just beat Towson and then at least you beat Towson and then who knows what happens against Hofstra.
0: Huh. But, I, I think we all know what happens against Hofstra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: So hypothetically, <laughs> they get through the semis, they beat William and Mary, and they're playing in the championship against probably like a Northeastern College or Charleston. Four games in four days. If they get there, hypothetically, do you think they would actually win that game? Okay,
0: if they get there, they have to win.
1: Like, <laughs> you think they would?
0: Like, If they can beat Towson and beat Hofstra and then beat William and Mary slash Delaware and then they're facing off with, northeastern slash elon slash uncw slash charleston slash drexel i think they if they can get to the championship i think they win just because at that point they're on such a (laughs) such a high that like anything can happen at that point i think they could beat duke minus zion Uh, (laughs) but the chances of that happening are very very i think i think they have a better chance at winning in the quarterfinals, semifinals, and championship game, than they do beating than they do beating <laughs> Towson in the opening round. Bold.
1: Speak. Yeah, there's a good chance they lose that opening
0: round. I wouldn't be stunned.
1: But if they get there, <laughs> hypothetically, here's <laughs> yeah. my prediction: I would say that they take like a double-digit lead on like Charleston and Northeastern, and then they end up blowing it. That would be, I think, peak Jamie at That'd this be- point is I to know, get all the yeah. way to the finals get everybody's hopes up, have a massive lead, and <laughs> just immediately have it evaporate.
0: Kind of like the Hofstra game at halftime when they yes. scored 20 points yeah. in four, sec- four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> four uh, seconds would have been real bad. What do you think it'll take, though, for them to get maybe a win or two I mean, yeah. it's Just the fact that they have Hofstra in that second round, it's so hard to see. It really... Two. But it's hard to get
1: excited about the bracket just because, like, you're facing Hofstra immediately. Yeah.
0: I mean, even if you were,
1: like, I guess the seven ten 10 Northeastern is really not more. Northeastern might be playing a little bit better than Hofstra, honestly. But, I mean, it's just a really – you don't really want to face any of the top three teams. No. You have to face – you know, you have to – being the four of the five is actually really good if you're willing to marry Delaware. It's not a bad spot to be right now, but – yeah, I think I think they could beat Towson just by sort of playing their game, making a few shots and, and just kind of
0: playing. But I think Hofstra they would have to shoot the lights out of the ball. Yeah. I think they're gonna need to beat Hofstra, just some key, some role players make some big time plays. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned Greg Jones, Erbach yeah. to have himself a career day, Zach Jacobs a career day. And I think when you start asking players to have career days to win a game,
1: <laughs> yeah, like
0: that's when you're kind of like, uh, I don't think that's possible.
1: That's a really rough pregame speech where you're like, I just need you, you and you to play the best basketball you've ever played in your life
0: for the next three days for the <laughs> yeah, next exactly. three days. And then maybe we'll win. They also have one of the top scores in the nation guys and a couple other really good guys in the CAA. So, um, We're just going to have to lock them all down. We're also then going to have to play our best game offensively we've ever played. But I think we got it.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it's going to be a really tough road that has a very good chance of just ending in a loss to Towson. Like I think we both think that's more realistic than a – well, obviously losing one is more realistic than (laughs) winning four. But, (laughs) I mean – it's just, it's a tough road, and we've mentioned it a ton. They've never won four consecutive games against D1
0: opponents under Lewis Rowe. And no one's won four games in four days in the right. C A so ch- men's basketball. Yeah. So the chances of this happening, what was uh, the probability, 0.5%? It was, it was, it was 0.5, I think, <laughs> and that was before the Banks injury was announced. Oh, I want to see an updated one now, because uh, it has to be lower. They might have, like, the lowest probability of, like, anyone in the conference of- Winning it. But, it would,
1: I mean, from a fan perspective and just from us talking about it perspective, it would at least be interesting if they would beat Towson in, like, advance. Yeah, i get just very Just to give us it. two days. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you never know. Because I will say that if they do find a way to magically get through the first two games, the hype going into the, the Monday game would be kind of wild. I think there'd be a lot of talk. Like, if it's Jamie, William, Mary in the semifinals, then you're starting to think, wait a second, like, maybe there's a miracle here.
0: If they can win those first two games, I would be on that hype train so hard, and I know I'd be crushed right away the night of March 11th. <laughs> yeah, But if, if really they're worried. playing at 6 p.m. on March 11th, I'd be so on that hype train. I think all of our 17 listeners would be very, very annoyed with me. I can see it. I can see everybody getting pretty. <laughs> We'd get stoked. tweets.
1: Oh yeah, but realistically, they're gonna get embarrassed early on. Yeah. But... Yeah, that's pretty much the gist of that overall. So, what do you think in terms of Roe? Does he have to do anything specific in this in terms of job security? Where do you think that stands? I know some people are are certainly listening to
0: what we're saying and, <laughs> and talking about it. <laughs> so, uh, Can we talk about that on the podcast? Is that allowed? I don't know. Huh, maybe we'll just retweet it and we'll see what people think. <laughs> yeah. um, I, don't, I feel like it was kind of the decision has been made. I mean, after the the high of the Hofstra game and you're going into two more games where you think possible, if you think if you win one of these two, you're pretty solid, you're on solid ground for that six seed. You're in the driver's seat, especially if you beat Elon and then you drop both of them. You have an ugly showing against Elon, like ugly. And then you drop, William and Mary also on your home court you lose that by six four excuse me so that one's a close game but I think his fate was decided the night of March 2nd
1: yeah and I mean I'm not we've talked about this a lot and I'm certainly not trying to pile on when we do it but I do feel like there's sort of been this weird avoidance aside from like us and a couple other people of actually being willing to talk about this which is sort of why we keep bringing it up but I do think that I mean, I feel like he's definitely on the hot seat, and I think I, I might agree. I just I feel like in the years past, there wasn't really the same level of expectation. But when you have the new arena coming in, and if you look at any other JMU athletic program, you can go on jmusports.com, and they have drop-down menus for men's and women's <laughs> sports, and you can look at literally every sport. And I mean, pretty much all of them, just across the board, are in a really good place, even some They're of the really all winners. minor ones. Yeah pretty much everyone's a winner. And when you have men's basketball, which is such a big revenue driving sport and one that they're pouring a good amount of money to, I mean, they're building a massive arena. Like the commitment to the program is, is cr- clearly growing. You need to win. And I just, I worry that in Lewis Rose case that the the three years that born
0: might, might say, Hey, you know, I've seen enough. and I'm going to make a move. I, yeah. You're sitting here 13 and 18 to finish out your third season. It could be what, you're going to finish with 19 losses this season. Right. Last season, you were 10-22. and 22. The season before that, you were 10-23. and 23. I, A three-game improvement when you've now had your roster for two seasons. You, you've had them grow for one season. And you had so much expectation going into this season with this roster, with a year of growth and you improved by three games I think it's it's hard to sell that to the alumni to the fan base to Jeff Bourne I think you kind of have to expect the worst at this point
1: right yeah and I wouldn't be a crazy surprised and I have a lot a lot of people to kind of talk to me and, and reach out and say that they think he deserves one more year I've other people say that they agree and think that maybe he is leaving after three years I mean it's not gonna Break me up either way you know what I mean like I'm just trying to share my opinion on it and sort of what I think might happen I mean if he stays that's great for him and and hopefully Hope they'll the win more next yeah. year and if, yeah and if he doesn't then hopefully they find someone else who's able to do that but I mean regardless I just think that it's kind of hard with the record to sort of close it out and the other thing that I find really hard to sort of reconcile is that in that first season there was a lot of talk that nobody bought in and I, I kind of agree with that I yeah think I get that
0: 110 percent
1: a lot of the players didn't. And I think the 10 wins to me was still an underachievement, but I totally understand sort of not focusing too much on that season, but they won seven CAA games with a team that wasn't bought in. And now the last two seasons, they've won six with a team that's supposedly bought in. So it's like they bought into the the mission and now they're a worse team in conference. Like that, <laughs> that doesn't seem like a good thing. Yeah. So, I mean, like- that's something that that's concerning to me. Is just if they are buying in the mission,
0: what's the mission and why is it not working? It's this team's just so hard to peg. Like you, I mean, you look at the schedule, you beat Radford. I know. I I think I'm the worst when it comes back to referencing this game, but you beat Radford, you beat Charleston and kind of a beat down. Almost. You beat Hofstra at Hofstra. Mm -hmm. And yet you come back after those games with a bad loss You did pick up a win after the Charleston game, but you were down 10 at halftime against Towson after that Charleston game. And then after the Mm -hmm. Hofstra game, you just needed to win one of those last two to potentially get a six seed, and you lose both of them on your home court. It's just tough. And that's
1: what's so crazy to me, is like the way they played after that Hofstra win at Elon, when they played Elon at home, they looked dead. They looked flat. And that's to me, that's got to be a little bit of, You know, just coaching them up and making sure they're ready to beat a team that's not as exciting as Hofstra to get going. Because if you do go out and you win that game and you beat William & Mary, you'll have closed the season on a really strong stretch and sort of excited the fan base and shown that you're headed in the right direction. And then you go out and just really struggle against Elon. And they
0: weren't weren't awful against William & Mary, but they certainly weren't impressive either in that loss. Yeah, I mean, losing by four, you were outscored in both halves you put up a fight in the second half but again it's just we thought they had fixed this problem earlier on in conference right. play and on the season that in these close games they were the ones mm-hmm. that were going to start coming out on the right side of it all and now right. it looks like that they're not
1: right and that's just sort of the the point i've tried to make and i think we both have at least at some points that that's why there is at least a case for moving on from row. And I totally understand the other side because they're recruiting class next season. I look, every time I look at that, you know, I get pretty excited just because they have so much talent there. I think it's going to be a really fun team to watch and talk about. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, if you can't turn the talented players into a team that's able to win games with what's going on in the program, with the success of the other athletic programs, I, I mean, I just think that Jeff Bourne is going to be in a, in a tough spot. And I, Barring some sort of CA tournament miracle, I, I do think there's a
0: chance they, they make a switch. I think if he wins a game, there'll be a little bit more hesitation. I think if he loses this opening round game, I yeah, think, think that will I think that cements his time at JMU. And he'll be coaching at another school next year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he might need to make a run. I think if you look at the first game, I don't think people care too much. If they're able to get by Hofstra, he might start talking a little bit. And then if they lose in the semifinals, it would kind of depend on how they lose sort of the talk around that. But yeah. Maybe if they win, I don't know, maybe if they win three games, make the championship and fight hard and lose, then it's kind of – that would certainly be a weird way to let a coach go. If they, if they do <laughs> make a run and they <laughs> almost make the NCAA tournament, then you're like, no, actually. So, I mean, I do think that – that's what, I mean, that's what I've said all along is that I think his seat is very hot, so I think it's almost teetering on the brink. And I know some people think that Bourne either made the decision or has pretty much made the decision – but I think that if they can get out of the quarterfinals, then you at least have to start having a conversation of like, well, maybe he gets one more year so I can make it or break it year. But if they lose early, I think you could probably, I don't know. I, I just have a hard time seeing Jeff Bourne being like, I've seen, like I haven't seen enough and I needed to see another year to know yeah.
0: if he's a. Whatever. Two little points here. First with Jeff Bourne, not he, everyone knows what this team is. It's a team that doesn't really run a fantastic offense and it seems to be lost at times on offense of a team that's full of guys that have the capability of putting up big time numbers. And sometimes they're stuck shooting 30%. And the second point I have is what you're talking about is for him to keep his job. He almost needs a a good run to the almost to the championship. I'd say, yeah, the championship. And with Roe talking about what recruits are saying, what his players are saying, his team, I feel like knows this. They know that for him Mm -hmm. to have another year at the helm of JMU, they need to have a run. So I think it's kind of going to speak loudly to the team as well to see how they respond in this championship, to see how well they play. Cause say they come out flat. That makes me question a little bit, but if they come out fiery and, and play like they did, If throwing it all the way back to playing like they did in the second half of that, I think, the Drexel game in Roe's first year after he got tossed for getting the technical fouls. They came out fiery playing. And so if they can come out fiery playing for their coach and make a run, I think he keeps one more year as well. But I I think the fact that the team knows this, they know his job's hot, flat, I think that speaks volumes, volumes about Roe.
1: That's a really good point that I didn't even thought about much at all. It's just like they definitely are aware that this is happening and that this is a topic of conversation because he brings it up. And he's yeah, open about he it.
0: talks about how he so loses sure, sleep over yeah.
1: it. Right. So I'm sure they're
0: His well aware of what's good.
1: going on. So you're right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's he's healthy, <laughs> but the team is a little bit unhealthy. But yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of like what they're doing and how they respond to sort of what they have heard and all that. But I think one of the things that you mentioned is that they've struggled a bit with, like, offense and running in-game stuff and situational stuff, and that's sort of where I have my doubts about, yeah. row. Because we talked, like, two or three weeks before they ended up going to the small lineup about how they should go to the small <laughs> I, lineup. My,
0: I think we talked about our take about lacrosse over Canassis earlier in this episode. That was I'm just going to say guess, that's yeah. probably one of the favorite takes it's... we've had about that small lineup and then him going to the small lineup. But back to what you are saying, sorry. It's just – I mean, I think it's interesting when we're sort of seeing things
1: just from watching, uh, at least me personally. I know that you have gone in person to a good amount of the games. But, I mean, I was watching a lot of them on, like, Matizone, or, like, sometimes it's just checking a box score. You could kind of see just from watching on Matizone, which would sometimes – maybe would cut out even or whatever. And (laughs) you just – still, it felt like from our perspective that this was a lineup that made sense. And then two or three weeks later, he goes to it. And it's – I mean – I think my issue is just that there are times that fans can tell if the fans can tell that the offense is stagnant. If, if media members and fans are able to optimize your lineup for you before you optimize it, like that's at least a little concerning. And maybe that example isn't perfect, but there are so many times where it's like, I feel like a ton of people have picked out the fact that Darius banks, like needed the ball more. And then when they go to him, they win. It's just things like this where it's like, I mean, are you seeing this? Have you seen this before? What's the process for seeing this? And, those are questions I wish somebody could ask him just like, you know, how is this all working and how are you sort of trying to improve as an in-game coach? Cause his recruiting is not the issue. Oh, it's not just sort all. of how you, it's how he manages the game and how he manages the system. And I feel like no one's really questioned it or, or asked. And it'd be interesting to know sort of what is for improving that.
0: Yeah. And something I want to see out of this team, and I think I've brought it up before and maybe since we spoke it into existence about the small lineup earlier on in the season, I want to see this team run kind of like the VCU havoc defense. Do you remember that, that time with um, Shaka smart, just high energy. And I want to see him run on offense, just go crazy because I feel like they're young. They have that speed and they can do that. I want to see that happen.
1: I'm i we've talked about this a bunch. I'm so confused why they don't like run in transition more. And if yeah, you're like, if force,
0: create your own fast breaks.
1: <laughs> right. And they also, every now and then they jump into like that trap. It's like a one, three, one kind of trap sometimes. And it seems to actually do pretty well. And then they immediately yeah. drop out of it. And I'm like, stick with it for like five minutes and see what happens. Like start creating some
0: turnovers, run a full court press. Like Please, no team is seeing
1: you do that. So just do when,
0: it. When they run a full court press. They're scary good. I mean, they'll be – it was in in the Northeastern game. They were down big against Northeastern, and then they started running a full-court press, more pressure on defense. Yeah, All of a sudden, the tide started to turn. I think they cut it to single digits, and then they broke away from it. And what happened? Northeastern pulled away.
1: I would be doing that a lot in this tournament. I would be throwing different defenses, try to run some press, do whatever you can bring in new bodies. I mean, just do whatever you can to throw people off and make it hard because they're athletic. Like, that's the issue is I feel like they're young athletic. Yeah. And sometimes it feels like they waste that athleticism by sort of slowing it down and then not running a half-court set. It's like, well, then they just have to play, like, one-on-one. Where when they run with Darius Banks, and obviously he's hurt now, but Darius Banks, Matt (laughs) Lewis, Stucky Mosley, those guys, when they run, it's really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe they'll... If you're listening, do a little transition, do a little, a little press, a little havoc in this tournament, and
0: you'll be fine. Ah, that's all we want. That's all we there want. We go. There we go. Huh. Anything else you need to add about the CA tournament? I think
1: that's pretty much it. On an unrelated note, I'm writing a profile on the JMU Sports blog, guys. I've been doing this for a while. Almost done now, so it should be up soon on our website.
0: Ooh, that's exciting. I didn't even know that was in the works.
1: Very exciting. I talked to them. I talked to this guy who runs the Mr. Irrelevant blog about DC sports who like helped them get into it all. And he is very interesting. His career is pretty wild. This guy was the director of blog, social, and SEO at Yahoo at one point during his career. Dang. And writes about DC sports. And now he runs like this, this t-shirt company where it's like a sport t-shirt company called Breaking Tea. And anytime like a big sports event happens, they have a t-shirt made like that day that you can buy. And I was like, that's a pretty cool idea. That's a really good idea. I'm looking it up right now as we speak. And I talked to Michael Evangelista, you super fan, for this one, which
0: I was pretty stoked about. So, Did you talk to um, average CAA ref? <laughs> no, I didn't get them on the horn. <laughs> ah, darn it.
1: <laughs> I know. I should have. Oh, did you see the, um, this is unrelated, but this is a great topic for our our loyal listeners. Did you see the, like, was it Justin Thorpe getting really offended on Twitter? Um, He's, like, a former JMU quarterback and he had said that, like, he said something about how he was, like, 1-0 and against Virginia Tech and then Lauren Smith, who runs, like, the, um, what is that? What's that? Sons of Bridgeforth, that's what it was. Sons of Bridgeforth account, he tweeted, just from his own personal account, was like, well, Drew Dudzik was the QB, but the point still stands. And he was like, this is why JMU fans are are bad and he blocked him and it was like, whoa. <laughs> on,
0: oh, I'm looking it up right now.
1: And then he blocked a bunch of other people. It was kind of wild.
0: What? He got really upset. So he wasn't one and against
1: he wasn't the starting quarterback. So that's I mean, that's like I don't know. I mean, I guess he was on the team.
0: Oh, he, oh, and speaking of that, in the background of one of the pictures when everyone's saying it was Dudzik. You see the old school um, Duke dog. Oh, horrifying. <laughs> Which um, next real podcast, next scheduled podcast yes. that we'll have, we're going to have a deep dive into the past. Oh, I'm so excited. We're going to pick our favorites, everything like that. And then to go along with that, I'm going to write a um, pure history of CAA Yes, sports mascots now i couldn't get that out in the right formation but ca sports mascots <laughs> check for that to read before you listen to the podcast because it's going to be something it is going to be something
1: yeah because some of those are horrifying
0: oh yeah like the duke dog
1: yep and i i can't get over with this stupid richmond spider that thing is just an atrocity <laughs> i love your hatred for that <laughs> it's one of the worst things i've ever seen in my life like huh. it just upsets me like, we need to have whoever created that like whoever designed it we
0: need to have them on a podcast and like what were you what were you doing if i can find the contact for that person <laughs> so i'm going to reach out to them and ask them if they want to come on to do it their rival yeah. podcast <laughs> yeah.
1: like do you want to come on to the GMU podcast with not that many followers we're probably going to try to roast you <laughs> i mean you can Please. roast us
0: too but uh yeah can roast back you want to come on
1: I would be interested in knowing, like, if they've ever seen a spider, or if they were just (laughs) guessing.
0: All right, Um, I think that's all we have to add. Yeah. Um, Follow us at JMU Sports News on Twitter. We're gonna have a lot of baseball content coming out at you because of the wonderful Nick. Stevens Stevens we've brought on as our contributor for that from the Diamond Duke he's bringing all of that good stuff over to the JMU Sports News so follow us there if you don't want to follow us there you can go to www.jmusportsnews.com you'll see all of our awesome baseball content there our softball content um, all of our archive podcasts all of the amazing content Bennett's been putting out I feel like you've been putting up at least 15 million stories a day
1: Oh, yes. I've been copying the newsletter chunks and putting them on the website, which I'm going to try to do in the future oh, so they don't just
0: die. That's an amazing... I love that idea.
1: Yeah. I'm hoping that'll get us some some content for people to read, and that way, if you miss the newsletter, you can always read portions of it online instead of just knowing what happened.
0: And if you're not subscribed to the newsletter, you can yes. subscribe through our Twitter. I believe we have a link to that um, in I our bio. there's a link,
1: and I think we've I think I pinned something at the top, too. Yes. you can get it through there.
0: And I believe it's on our website somewhere?
1: Yeah, there's like a there's a tab on there that says Newsletter. Click there, and then there's another little link. You can click that, and
0: you can subscribe. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. For Bennett Conlin, my name's Jack Fitzpatrick. This was a wonderful CAA Men's Basketball Tournament preview. Have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya. we mm-hmm.